Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Ah, gotta tell you, that's becoming one of my favorite, favorite songs. You know, it really, really is. I, <laughs> I just, I just have fun with it. It's, it's uh, Markel's Audio Lab just outdid themselves with the guitar riffs, and and you know, what can I say? The fact that the show's been on for three years and it's just now becoming your favorite. <laughs> Amazes me because I can't get that damn song out of my head. Well, you know, we haven't been playing it for three years yet. We haven't been playing it for three years, so cut me slack, but you're right. And that's what, uh, that's when the CEO of Markel's Audio Lab, Lab, uh, Greg Markel, said to me, No, Fred, anyone who hears that song will never get it out of their head. And it's like, okay, that's what I want. Yeah, Greg was right. So, how are we doing, Kristen? Where are we today? We're doing great. Oh, I'm still here in Chicago. But I think we, we surpassed, maybe we surpassed 50 today. It wasn't nearly as nice as it was earlier in the week, but all oh, good. Okay. So, what are we talking yeah. about on the mentor segment today? Well, today we're going to just lightly touch on um, when you first get your business open, how do you go about starting to build your business? How do you get people to know where you are, who you are? Um, your favorite topic a little bit, Fred, is marketing, right? So what are some of the basic things that you do? And our idea this week is to give you this video. The magic word, yes. Word. <laughs> uh, so we're going to just give you a little teaser what's to come next week. Because next week, we're going to be talking to a gentleman, Steve Gard, with, um, he's a franchise owner with Network Action International, and that's exactly what he does, is networking and marketing. And so uh, today, some of the things we just want to talk about is a, a major thing to do when you first get your business open, whether you are a franchise or you're an independent business. The community loves, the city loves, if you get involved with the um, Chamber of Commerce. Typically, especially as a small business, when you first get started, it's not very expensive, um, but there are a lot of different channels. I know um, our particular chamber this year um, started putting out a lot of e-newsletters. They have a coupon corner. There are people in your community who are dedicated to using chamber member um, businesses. Um, they've this year also come up with a free, kind of like a frequent diner, frequent flyer type of a thing. So you get stamps or credits for using chamber businesses, um, which I thought was really nice, especially with COVID. They're all about supporting local. So I think that's a really nice thing that you can do. Certainly starts to build a sense of community. It is different. Uh, Ray and I were chatting beforehand, depending on the type of business you have, right? Um, when you get out there and you start networking, let's say a group like BNI, some of your local um, uh, chambers offer, like we have a women's in business group, right? Now, some of the best or most beneficial types 
of businesses for those particular groups might be restaurants, might be real estate agents, might be, um, what were some of the other ones we said, Ray? Um, well, I can't think off the top of my head now. It's just uh, doctors, lawyers, right? Those types of, of individuals. Maybe it's, maybe if you're doing commercial cleaning, things like that, but maybe residential cleaning, you might not get as many leads as you so might I'm gonna, expect. I'm going to argue against a whole bunch of what you said. Are you? What are you going to tell me? Tell so me. What I will tell you is there's a very smart guy. He's a PhD in marketing, and I've been uh, blessed to know him for, I don't know, a decade now. Um, got uh-huh. a PhD in direct mail marketing. And he will tell you that the cost per year for a chamber of commerce is 12 grand. And he says that because, yeah, you, the membership is cheap. But if you just pay for the membership and stick the sticker on your door and do nothing with it, it's useless. So by the time you get done going to mixers and the chamber that the regional chamber that we're members are on, Mm -hmm. I'm on the marketing committee. I'm on the political or the governmental affairs committee. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody's got to scream power to the people and be annoying. Um, there's, the golf club, the golf fundraiser. Exactly. And by the time you get factor in all your time, that's 12 grand a year, according to, and this was 10 years ago that he had, he had determined. Sure. So, um, I, I so chamber, you are, are you an anti-chamber person? I'm a realist ch- uh, chamber member. So it depends. Uh-huh. In the Chicagoland area, um, there's the, well, in Ray's area, there's the Naperville uh, Chamber. Uh, your area, there's probably the Bloomingdale. There's the Greater O'Hare Association, which I was right. a member of for quite a few years. So there's, there, depending on where your area of operation is, you could, totally need to be in, you could need to be in five or six different chambers to cover it. Now that yeah. shoots that number up way thing, but yet... Most people, most small businesses get involved in a chamber, okay? I would tell you that you go to every free networking event you can and don't join anything for the first year or two and have a decent website that shows the character of who you are, okay? Mm -hmm. And dear Mm -hmm. God, unless you really want to become a web designer, don't go to one of the free ones that say, (laughs) you can do a website in three hours and... And it'll look like you did it in three hours and people are going, well, that's a crappy thing. So you're right about do as much as you can free. Um, Right. Make sure you got a decent LinkedIn profile so people can find you there. Put a Facebook business page out and post at least sometime weekly, preferably. All right. Right. Um, I know for Westline, we got huge amounts of traffic. We, we We started picking up clients from all over the world because we had a website and we were blogging on it. And this was- Do you know how I found Westline? Do you know how I found you 15 how? years ago? How? Networking group. Exactly. Networking group. Exactly. So, <laughs> but I had to pay to play. You had to pay to play. And, and yeah. that's kind of the way some of my, my – so I'll tell you that first year you go out and do everything you can that's free. Find right. your niche because, as you said, you started to talk about BNI groups and and we've yeah, been members. I never did that one. We've been member members of a couple, and we also did a couple of chamber uh, referral groups. 
and it depends on the type of business you are. B2B companies usually do not have good good success in them because most of the folks in there are B2C, all right? Right. There's usually a realtor who knows where the houses need cleaning. There's usually a title person and a loan person that does homes and home insurance. And all these people, in theory, for a Molly, would know where homeowners are and if their house is a mess. Mm-hmm. Ray got that one. So, it, but it depends on the group that you're in. And that's why it's like if you're thinking about a BNI, you got to go to a whole bunch of them to see if you mesh with the people. Because if you don't mesh with the people, you will have the standard response that you said of it doesn't tend to be good for franchisees. I would tell you that. Uh, well, that's uh, not exactly what I said. I said it doesn't, it doesn't tend to be good for all business types. Correct, especially right. not B2B. It's right. very hard to find a group that's good for a B2B unless you're kind of like a marketing company where those folks start to go, hey, we want to use you. And then their clients say, well, where did you get your cool stuff? And uh, since like I'm old doing this, it's that referral upon referral upon referral. Right, right. So if we kill off the marketing segment, shall we go the mm-hmm. the your next segment? You know, so next week we are going to go further down this. And as we all know, this is what, uh, this is what Fred does 99.9% of his time. I think that's actually a really good point because um, the first year you tend to throw a lot out there and see what comes back. And next week, same time, same time. Channel. When we talk with Steve Gard, it will be interesting to, to hear what they also recommend. And remember, when you buy a franchise, your franchisor is going to have a lot of requirements for you that first year. So there's a lot of things that come at you. And so I'm looking forward to a very open discussion again next week as well. Um, and with that, uh, we're going to take time now and switch over and have our panel discussion with um, Kelly Kruger out of one of my favorite states, Michigan. And uh, Kelly is a senior consultant with Benetrends Financial. And um, past welcome to guest. the show. And past guest. Yes, I didn't get to meet her last time. You're <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So today we're going to talk about financing the franchise. We've had this. Uh, we've wait, 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 wait. Now right? you're doing oh, a ray. I do it again. I forget about the weather. Oh, we have to do pillars of weather first. This is on purpose because I hate the weather. Okay, Ray. I guess I'll let you go then. Since you're the guy who likes it. Weather. It's too hot. It's 53 degrees. I'm sweating. Oh, you weirdo. He's wearing a flannel. It's uh, I'm look I'm looking right now. It's 62 degrees here in Michigan today, and I think it was maybe 64 yesterday. So we are we are loving it, and it is absolutely not too hot for me. Yeah, right. Right. Bring on the bring on spring and summer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, that should be fun. Is that that warm? All, all, all the snurt is gone. Yeah, but the mud is left behind, and I've got muddy dog prints all over my floors. Yeah, 
I keep mopping every time they come in. <laughs> so should should we uh, uh, you know talk to David as well, or are we going to leave him? <laughs> no, he has to tell us because he's back in Cleveland now. Well, yeah, I was going to say, but but you know what? I brought all that Florida weather back with me. We had 70 today. The sun was out. We did get a little bit of rain, but then the sun came out, and that's that's Ohio right there in a nutshell. So every 15 <laughs> minutes, something's going to change. Um, but yeah, so uh, I came back. I'm I'm in Cleveland for a few more days and uh, brought it with me. 70 degrees and sunny. Can't can't complain. Yeah. No Thanks. snow on the ground. Nothing. I, I was gone. I was gone just the right amount of time. Missed it all. Hmm. And That's I have the ultimate freeze, baby. So we talked a little bit earlier before about <laughs> about the weather and leaving and going hmm. finding your happy place in the sun. I'm I'm right there. That's what I did. So it works. Nice. All right, Kelly, you hear that? We got to get on this, girl. Oh, I am more than ready. More than ready. And it's, join, it's join the rest of us. Join the rest of us, freeze babies. Yeah. It's especially painful for me to have the conversation because I think I told you in the beginning, I'm cat sitting right now for my sister and her husband who are in sunny Florida with my parents just living it up for two and a half weeks. Yeah, and I'm cat sitting. <laughs> Well, and deer head sitting and antler sitting, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought those were the deer. I thought you, you had it up to here and decided to. <laughs> Give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer I and the antelope I think it was a good idea that I'll, I'll, I'll stop the video every so often and I'll just pop up in a new room with new, new things behind me. Yeah. I think it's it's really interesting that the cats don't climb on those. So if we keep talking about the horns on the antlers, we're going to go into a different show than normal. So, all right, enough pillars of weather. Sorry. You started it. I know I did. I usually do, but, you know, somebody's got to move us along. (laughs) All righty then. Okay, so... We're going to get started on financing your franchise, and that's always a big, a big question because we know that there are a lot of people out there, especially whether it be this year or any year, but this year in particular, um, many people were downsized. People have kind of reevaluated whether or not they really want to be in, as you referred to them, Kelly, the golden handcuffs anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, some people were fortunate enough to walk away with maybe a buyout package or some extra 401k money, but not everybody. Um, and we have a, a quite a large female audience in particular out there. And not all of us ladies are, are lucky enough to have money set aside to do these kinds of things. What kind of recommendations or creative financing ideas do you have for, for folks like that that don't quite have a pocketbook? Well, you know, I'm glad that you asked that question because it's a misconception, I think, that a lot of people feel they don't have the means to start a business. They think that they have to be wealthy already, right, in order to be able to do it. But that is, it's, it's just not true. It isn't. So there are a lot of things that are available to people, and sometimes we can get very creative. But, you know, everybody's heard of the basics, right? Like, I think Everybody, they might not be familiar with SBA loans, but everybody's heard the term small business loan. 
and that's something very common. But there's more creative things too, like you know, securities backed lines of credit. If somebody maybe has, um, they have a brokerage account and they, they don't want to use all their cash. Nobody wants to use all their money, right? So they might be able to borrow and get a loan, sort of like a home equity line of credit, but against your, your brokerage account. We can use retirement plan money. That's the Rob's plan. Rollover is business startup. A lot of people have no idea, especially coming from corporate America, that you can take your pre-tax retirement accounts and you can use those and invest those in the business and use it you know, in conjunction with an SBA loan or fund your business completely with retirement plan money without actually having to take a distribution and pay a 10% penalty for early withdrawal and pay taxes on that money. So those are some of the creative things that, that we can do. And um, in, in HELOCs, you know, also, mm -hmm. if, you, if you have a lot of equity in a property, sometimes a simple way to do it is to just, you know, try to borrow against that equity. But but borrowing's gotten tougher, right? right it's gotten yeah. a little bit tougher, and that's not the question you asked. That's another conversation that we can have. But but you specifically asked sort of about creative things. If maybe you don't have a, a lot to work with, um, it, it you know something that we don't really do internally. But there's there's term loans sometimes too. If you don't have the cash injection or the cash reserve or collateral, some of the things that might be required for for a traditional type lending like an SBA loan, sometimes you can do signature term loans and those don't require any cash injection or cash down. So there, there's, um, there's a lot of ways that we can get people into business and for very little money too. Because you know, if we just talk about something traditional like an SBA loan, right? we have SBA express loans in the industry. Those go anywhere from 50,000 up to 150,000. And they're pretty easy to qualify for when we're talking about loans from a bank. They're sure. unsecured. They don't require any collateral, and they only require roughly an 11% cash injection out of pocket. So on a full $150,000 loan, yep. you only are asked to come to the table with just shy of $17,000 of your own cash. Um, okay. You do need some cash left over for a rainy day fund. Right. But you don't have to inject a whole lot of pockets. So it truly, I mean, we put so many people into business with that express loan. It's truly easier in a lot of cases than people think. Right. You know, the one thing I wanted to point out um, as, as you were talking about these, and I think that, um, you know, we certainly got into this situation. I was just talking to my husband again, because last night I was online and researching a couple of things. SBA always sends me information and um, it was specifically targeting female business owners. And I thought, gosh, you know, that's so relevant to our show now. And um, I said, you know, we really have to get this done because I need, he isn't involved in the business really at all. And we've been talking for years about making sure that I was the primary shareholder um, so that we could qualify as a female-owned business because that's really what we are, right? And so um, sure enough, I had applied for, um, they're doing like a leadership thing or something and it's for female owned businesses. And I'm like, damn, I've got to get at least over that 50% mark. And I think their mm -hmm. question was, is it at least 75% or something? And I thought, you know, for women who are going into business, um, and if they're going to do it with a partner, consider making sure that you are more than 50% female owned as a shareholder, because then you have the WSBA. You have mm -hmm. other things available to you above and beyond the traditional SBA. 
So I think that's really important too. And if you're in a business that um, you're going to look to do government contracts, again, yeah. that's an edge. If um, you know, if you are a non-Caucasian, um, mm-hmm. again, more than 50% um, ownership, a shareholder, then you've got a minority-owned business. I mean, there's a lot of things that people don't talk to you about. I mean, I know our accountant didn't, our CPA didn't say, hey, just so you know, if Kristen holds 52% or 75% of the shares, now you're a female-owned business. Mm-hmm. I wish I had thought about that, you know, so... Um, David, yeah. you want to tell Kelly about some of the cool stuff you've done? Well, I, I think I think what Kelly's talked about is really cool, and I, I hope everybody that's listening out there it, it gives them hope. But but where I've always come from, it goes beyond that. I, I think I think that's great that these programs are here, but it's a mentality. Um, it's it's rare, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kelly, but it's rare if somebody's going to show up, no business experience, coming out of coming out of a job, and just going, hey, I'd like to go uh, apply for a business loan, and somebody's going to give them one hundred fifty thousand dollars to do it, right? So, I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into it, and 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 again, what usually happens with the franchisee is the first thing they do is look at an opportunity, and they go, wow, that's a lot of money, I can't afford that. That's the wrong that's the wrong start because they have, because there are people like Kelly and, and, and fine and lenders out there and other ways that will t- I'm going to touch on that'll let you afford it, right? Let you get into it. But so I always tell everybody, it's, it's a mentality. And, and, and I think there's an entrepreneurial spirit that goes along with it sure. because a lot of people don't ask the right questions. I mean, you know, how can I get this done is what they should be asking. You know, how, how can I make this happen? How can I, how can I raise the money? How can I find the money? You know, yeah. what else can I do? What else, you know, what else, uh, what other options do I have? Who can help me with this? But a lot of times they're going to look and they go, boy, that looks like great business opportunity. Cause I used to get this asked all the time. I always love this question. Well, how much is the franchise fee? And you tell them the franchise fee and they go, wow, that's a lot. And I went, that's a, fraction of the entire project if you're scared of the franchise you have no hope of opening yeah. up a business so in my That's area restaurant and and i said i said whether or not you open up a franchise restaurant a regular restaurant you're still going to have all those other costs the franchise fee is is just the right to the marks and the operating system so it, that, that, that's why i would say it always goes to the mentality i think people shut themselves down before even giving themselves a chance. And if I would have done that, we never would have opened the very first one 28 years ago because I couldn't afford that. I didn't even care. I mean, I put the franchise, half the franchise fee on a credit card. Then we had a garage sale to raise some more money. I mean, you know, you, you have to look at it and say, how bad do you want to get into business? And then you have to go find find the money. And there's avenues out there to go do it. But but I think people look at it and they get, it's a daunting task. And then, well, I don't want to get into debt. Well, there's a, we can go on the whole show on the difference between personal debt and business debt. I mean, there's a whole lot of different things that we can go into. And we'll, we'll, I mean, yeah, as, as Chris says, you know, I mean, I got really creative in all my deals. I don't know if I owned a business 100% by myself ever, truthfully. I, I probably did somewhere along the way. But even in the current real estate venture, I, right away, I, just last last month <laughs> so there's a great deal that we found some partners and found some financing i mean there's always a way but you have to ask the questions and i think that's an entrepreneurial aspect that yeah. every franchise 
sense franchisee he has to get out there. It's funny, you guys are talking about marketing. I'm sitting there going, I wonder how many people are sitting there right now going, oh, shoot, I have to do stuff? I thought I just bought a franchise, put my feet on the desk. Ed and I had to go, network. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing, and that's what we're hoping to bring out in these mentors and these mentor shows, right? But, I, I, again, I think finding money to start your business comes to a want to, right? It really does. Is how, how bad you want to do it, and are you willing to go through all the steps to go find you know, mm-hmm. an SBA? You can apply for an SBA loan. There's going to be some steps you're going to have to go through, and you're going to pull your hair out sometimes. It's an arduous process. Yeah, you're you're going to lose a couple hairs through the process. Um, the the one thing that you that you mentioned, the express loan actually is pretty easy to qualify for. It's you know bec- because it's smaller is you know it's really for franchises. So if you're approved on the mm-hmm. franchise registry, it's pretty darn easy to get that loan. Most of the people that are getting it don't have business experience, and they don't require big blown-out business plans. They just make you do a right. couple years of projections. So that one's pretty easy to qualify for. But you're 100% right, David. When when you get into the larger loans over 150, then it does become a little bit more reliant on do you have experience running a business? Do you have industry experience? Then you need a business plan, and that's a little bit harder, you know, uh, a little bit more involved. So it it changes as the investment grows, right? And I think that that's where it's so important to have these conversations with people early on, because you know, yeah, a lot of a lot of the people that I talk to come from franchise consultants or the franchise themselves, and it's through that conversation when they come to me, they don't think it's possible. And it's through that conversation of learning about what they're trying to accomplish, uh, talking about their assets and sort of, I can identify what options might be available to them, explaining those options to them so they have an understanding and then helping them make an educated decision on how they might be able to fund that business. I think once they can see a path forward and they know that you're going to be there to help them through that process, they're so much more likely to continue forward on that path. And, and so I think it helps to have those conversations early. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and that's what I said, you know, and, and then it's because it's not, it's just not a, a very, it doesn't, it's not always going to be smooth and you're going to be challenged. So I'll tell you, and that's what I said, it's really a mentality, but that's a mentality for a business person too. They know that there's going to be ups and downs. You have to get through it all. So, but I, I, tell, I look at so many people and they just kind of give up without even exploring the opportunity. And they don't even know there's a Kelly out there that's sitting there with money going, we're right. looking to lend it. And, but, but you have to go for it. So, you know, I, I go to this, this point all the time. I, I said, when we first started, and we, we did an SBA loan, the very, very first business. And I went through it. And again, we, had, we were young. We had no money, very little money. I right? put the franchise hand and credit card, blah, blah, blah. Luckily, you know, we had a hungry franchisor at the time wanted to get started. We were all in. We were going to, I mean, we quit two jobs and we were going to work our butts off doing it. And um, so I went to apply for SBA loan and no collateral. We don't have anything. It's a restaurant. Most, most lenders are no way, get out of here, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, the, as soon as you open, the equipment's worth 10 cents on the dollar, you know, yeah. the failure And you just want to sell wings? Really? Wings and yeah. beer? Come like on. <laughs> so, so, here's, 
So this way, I'm speaking to, to the to the listeners. On, I, I say, you know, if you have a dream and you're not going to give up on your dream, don't ever give up on your dream. Keep figuring it out. So, okay, we've got to get collateral. So I put together this, in my mind, a great business plan. I look back at it now and go, man, that was really not that good. <laughs> but I put put together this business plan, and 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 I look at my wife. I said, okay, now, so we got to go get collateral. And she says, where are we going to get that from? I said. Um, well, my, my parents just, just after 30 years, you know, the dad was a steel worker, mom worked customer service, whatever. They just paid off their house and they were so happy. They went no more, no more house payments. And I come and I come rolling into the house going, Hey, I'm going to talk to you guys and, uh, give this whole presentation to them. Basically told them, I want your house as collateral for my risky business loan. So I told them. The and they wrote you out of the will. Yeah, exactly. I told, I, told, I told my wife on the way up, I said, listen, man, just so you know, my dad's going to be all in on this. He's going to be excited. Said, okay, fine, no problem. And my mom's so conservative, she's going to say, there's no way, David, I'm sorry, I can't do that, right? I get through this whole presentation. My mom says, I like the idea. I'll do it. My dad jumps out of his chair and says, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. I went home and he storms out of the room. I looked at my wife and I went, I wasn't prepared for this. I got to think of some other, some other rebuttals here. I had my rebuttal set up for my mother. So we went and we had this conversation. I got him to calm down. And long story short, they relented, right? And so what did I do for that? Well, we worked out something where I give a percentage of the business, yada, 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 pay, you know, just for the collateral. So you get creative on, on ways to acquire some things that you don't have. And that's why I said that goes back to, you know, what else can I do and, and who can I ask that meet the lender's requirements. But most people just give up too quick without yeah. thinking through it. Or they get, I call it they get greedy in the beginning. Sometimes you just want to get started. If you have to give up a little bit of your business, if you have to get a partner, if you have to get an investor, do it. If it strengthens yeah. your deal, if you believe in it so much, do it. And, and have, have things where you buy them out later. I mean, that's, that's what we did. Once, you know, the SBA let us release that lien at some point in time. And because it was our parents and we appreciate we kept, we gave, we continued their ownership of the business and kept giving them dividend checks and payments. And that was a great thing I was able to do for him. But but we wouldn't have got started if they would have said no. So yeah. it was easy. But that's right. That's where I was going in the very beginning. Is it is a mentality of there's always a way. There's always a way. And with that, David, I'm we're gonna go to commercial so we can pay the bills. Every time you tell the story, I get goosebumps because I think, oh my God, if if anybody here's your story. It, it's like so inspiring. And I can't wait to hear more of the things because I know all, I mean, I've heard it so many times and every time you share it, I'm just like amazed. And, and Ray, get ready. Cause I'm going to adopt you to be my dad. And then I'm going to ask you if I can um, put a lien against your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, go to Guido. <laughs> I can throw in a couple of I got a guy. I got a guy somewhere. <laughs> All right, Fred, take us to commercial. We'll come back and hear some more great news. So on that note, I just want to ask David if he realizes that if he didn't what would have happened if he didn't do what he did twenty eight years ago? Well, yeah, <laughs> well I'd already well, I would have <laughs> stayed with that company. Right. And I would have been getting promoted and living in areas I didn't want to live in, but I had done that. But then 
that company. Nope, nope, that's enough. That's enough for me to make my point. Wrong answer. You wouldn't have been on the show. Don't, 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 Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. And with respect to what Ray said, and you said, Kristen, about Ray and, and you know, getting along. Not the house, the beast. Because then if, it's a, if, he, if he does it, if you get it on the beast, and he's also driving in around and doing pillars of franchising, um, you know, interviews, it becomes totally tax deductible and a revenue generator. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I think we saw one of our guests. Um, that's coming up is like in Hawaii or something. And I made the comment to you without thinking, I'm like, Oh yes, I have to travel there. And then there was someone in Florida. I'm like, Oh, I have to go there. And you said, that's why you need a bus. That's why Ray has the bus. And I'm thinking, Oh yes. And then I didn't think about the fact that I can't drive the bus to Hawaii. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> well, there is a retrofit for the, the, the beast that you can get that actually does, you know, make turns it into a hydrofoil. Oh, that's exactly the answer. Could you see Ray driving across the Pacific in a hydrofoil? I got to get some, I'd have to get video of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, moving right along. So uh, let's go back to, uh, uh, what's his name, Vito? Vito. (laughs) Yes, yes, Vito, our buddy Vito. I I, I think we need to discuss a little bit with Kelly uh, about how, what are some of the other alternative methods and what are the upsides and downsides of those alternative methods? Now, obviously you want to stay away from anybody that's going to uh, pop your knees or cut your fingers off. (laughs) No self ideals. None of that is that a trend. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, some of the other methods are are tapping into your 401k and, um, but there's another method if you have a, a, 401k of just taking the money out. Can you discuss those a little bit? Well, as far as taking the money out, that really, that really just depends. Cause you know, um, I got to think through a few different scenarios here, but when you have, when you have a 401k that's tied to your current employer, a lot of times you can't access that except you can usually not, maybe not in every situation, but in most cases you can take a loan from your current employer's 401k plan for up to $50,000, not to exceed 50% of what the balance is. So if you, 
if you have 100,000 in there, you should be able to borrow up to 50,000. So that's one way you can do it. Sometimes you can take a hardship withdrawal, but that's not going to, you're not going to be able to do that to fund a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, if you, you know, with the Rob's plan, most of the time you either have to have separated from service to gain access to that retirement plan. But, but again, not always. So this is where, you know, I have to get, I have to get creative and I have to overturn old stones and ask a lot of questions for people because when I'm talking to them to try to figure out if a Rob's plan is on the table, let's say they've got a 401k that is tied to a current employer and they don't plan on leaving to run that business. Well, if they're 59 and a half or over, they can get money out of that retirement account without taking a taxable distribution. They can do what's called the in-service rollover and roll money out of that 401k over to another qualified plan. And then we can use it for a Rob's plan and invest it in the business. The other thing is that if they've rolled money from a previous employer's 401k, a lot of people do that, right? You quit a job, you work at IBM, you have a 401k there, you start working at Macintosh and you roll your 401k into the Macintosh retirement plan. If you've rolled money in, you can usually roll that back out. And even sometimes if none of those apply, I always have them call their 401k plan administrator and ask if they can do it in service, in service rollover because about 30% of the time they can. And most people have never even think to ask that question. But literally about 30% of the time we're opening up opportunities just by having them call the plan administrator and ask that question. So, go ahead. I'm sorry, you, you brought up a really good point that we've um, run into uh, with, with some folks. What about if they are separated from their employer um, before the loan process starts? We run into some issues where then when they're going through the loan process, it's like, well, you don't, you don't show now that you have income. income and they're like well yes of course because i'm not working because i'm opening this run business. business yeah so what do you do in those cases that's a great question and it's such a catch-22 right because most people do want to they either want to quit the job to run the business or the whole reason that they're trying to get into business is because they don't have a job and they right. can't get another one um so it is always easier to get approved for a loan when you have income coming into the household. The more income coming in and the more liquidity you have, it's an old saying that cash is king, but that's never gonna change. Cash is king, and it's never been more true than in the current lending environment today. So if you have income coming in, it helps, but if you don't, it's not always a deal breaker. Um, if you have enough cash backing you or enough retirement accounts and they can be rolled over and liquidated and turned into cash or a Rob's plan, then usually we can get those clients approved. But it, it just depends on their particular situation and their debt to income ratios and collateral. Because, you know, when you're trying to get approved for a loan, they're looking at lots of criteria, right? Mm-hmm. And they're weighting all of it. They're not just denying you based on one thing. You need to have the cash injection. You need cash reserves. You need collateral. In some cases, not always. Um, you need income. You need good credit. Uh, experience helps. So they're weighting all these different things. And if you're really strong in one, but maybe, or if you're strong in all of them, but maybe a little bit weaker in one, 
usually we can get those passed through. So it truly, it just depends on the, on the situation. But what you never want to do is if you're approved or pre, pre-approved or pre-qualified for that loan, based on the fact that you've got income coming into the household, you do not want to quit that job if everybody thought you were going to keep it. You don't want to change the, you know, you don't want to change course while you're already in, in motion. Right, right. Okay, good, good suggestion, because that, that certainly does happen. And I know we, I stayed working right up until everything was signed, sealed and delivered. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's always what we, what we recommend and what we want to see people do. And then a lot of times, you know, again, especially in the last year, when so many people have lost, lost careers, and they just don't have the ability to go out and replace it, but they do have retirement accounts. So we'll set up a Roth plan. We'll roll over that money from their old retirement account and we'll use that to show income. So, you know, they can still get a loan and they've got the cash back up and they've got enough money backing them that they can show that they can pay themselves while that business is ramping up. So if they don't have income, it is not a deal breaker. Sometimes it is, but in many cases we can, we can make it, make it work. Well, Oh, go ahead, Ray. I know in my case, the fact that my wife worked, uh, you know, uh, was an asset for us. Oh, yeah. she, she showed a steady income. And uh, that that was, you know, pretty important. Uh, and, and go ahead, Kristen. I lost my train of thought. What else I was going to say? But that's ideal. That is ideal. If you, if you have a, a couple that's going to be running the business, one of them is running it and the other one is working another job and paying the bills when that business ramps up, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. We, don't, we don't always get the ideal situation. We get a lot of less than ideal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, um, that's a really good point. And especially if you have um, single parents who want to go out and do it on their own and things of that nature, it's, it's not always ideal. But I... I think what you said earlier is, you know, where there's a will, a lot of times there's a way, you know, not in every single situation, but I can tell the people when I'm talking to people on the phone and they might not have the credit or the cash at the moment to make it happen, but I can absolutely tell the people that are going to be calling me back and they've got grit, you know, and they're determined and you know, they're going to find a way to make it happen. And, and, and we will do everything on our side to try to find a way to make that happen too. We don't give up easy And that I think it's about asking a lot of questions, asking the right questions, knowing the questions to ask in the first place, and Mm -hmm. just like not stopping until you've overturned every single stone. And a lot of times it's combining options, right? It might not just be a loan. It might be a loan and a Rob's plan and and something else. It's like, you know. You you got to keep on digging there. Yes, you do. David was saying, you know. Uh, I, I realize, you know, talking about what we're, uh, what we're saying, I, I would look at the goal, and the goal was to seek them maybe more territory, and then I'd think, okay, now how can I get the money? You know, so I'd look at the goal, see how much I need, so at least you have an idea, and and then you start digging, and you just keep on digging until you find it. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it was my bank, and yep. it, you know, and, and they said, how much can you give me? Oh, I okay. I can have that much, and then I went back to the uh, seller, and I says, "Okay, I can give you this much down, but you need to finance the rest of it." And yes, in my yes. case, she said, "Sure, no problem." <laughs> oh, okay. 
Well, you do. You do. You can't stop at the first no, right? Right. Exactly. Not everybody's going to say yes, but sometimes when we put out loan packages, we might put that out to to eight different banks, and seven of them might say no. It only takes one. And, and some banks like franchises, right? Some of them like the franchise model. Some of them mm-hmm. don't don't really care if you're a franchise or not. So it's good to know that difference too. Ray, I really liked your idea um, because I think one of one of you guys that I consider kind of my own mentor because you started their, your businesses before I started mine um, had suggested that to me. And my last two acquisitions that I made, I did just that. Rather, I, I took a little bit of money borrowed from my dad, you know, kind of like David's suggestion. And then I said, hey, I'll pay you back bank rates, whatever the, the business loan was going for the bank. And I'll, if you hold the note for me, I'll pay you. And so every month they get their check in the mail and I'm not really in, in debt at all. I mean, to them I am. And two of them are almost now paid off and I didn't have to go to a bank for anything. Right. So if people underestimate the, the ability to negotiate for that. And I had never, it never even dawned on me. And I don't know if it was you or Tom that, that suggested that to me. I thought, what a great idea. Yep, yep. And, and David, you know, you had talked about this the other day. We were talking about um, our mentor program opening back up and getting some more mentors in here. And, and you know, we talked about what it takes to really um, become a franchise owner, a business owner. And um, you alluded to it in this as well, David. If, if you say no at the first roadblock, it isn't for you, right? It's not for you. So, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's, yeah. I mean, and getting into business, I mean, just, just go get, go get a job, um, you know, and, and, and pay 30 to 50% of your wages to tax to the government, but that, I'll go off on different subject on that, but, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's some benefits of being an entrepreneur right now in your own business. But I, I, again, it's, you know, Kelly said it's grit, you know, it's, it's the entrepreneur roller coaster. great mm-hmm. book by Darren Hardy. For those of you who want to really know what an entrepreneur is, he wrote a great book, entrepreneur roller coaster, but you know, it's funny, you know, Ray brought up seller, uh, seller financing, you know, go, going that first deal, I needed, I needed more cash. Okay. So I got the collateral from my parents. I was, but I needed more cash into the deal. Um, I, my cash was spent. I only had, you know, I didn't even have enough for the franchise fee. So, so I went and got investors. So again, I didn't mind giving up a piece of the business piece of the corporation, so to speak, but I still wanted to maintain the majority of the ownership. So obviously in the pro form, I knew, you know, how much I could give back. Home. So, so we structured deals where some of their investment was part loan and part equity into the deal. Here's the key though. Once you show that you can return to those investors, guess what happens? Right. When you go to expand, people are all in. Banks are all in. I, at the time, Merrill Lynch was, Dave, whenever you want to open up another one, let me know, let us know. You know, investors are going, I'd love to do it. I heard about the return you gave Billy and Joel, you know. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes easier. It's that first one that's difficult. And then on my very second one, I did just what you did. They would, you know, they had this location where they were just churning place. They're going out of business every year, 18 months, restaurants. So I came rolling up and they loved providing, you know, throw a little bit of down payment and they loved carrying the note for their FF and E, you know, fixtures, furniture, equipment, you know, sell a little bit for the liquor license, et cetera, because they assumed I would go out of business and they could just, take my down plane with it and then they go sell it again right <laughs> so, so when that when we when they realize oh this isn't going to happen these guys are successful they're doing great <laughs> that guy then he owned his own chain of different restaurants and he came to me and says will you be partners with me and will you run some of my locations so i mean it's 
once once you can get started, however you get started, and you and you really are good at the business that you're buying, which hopefully you're passionate about and you're successful, it opens up a lot more doors. It's that first one, that old thing, get your foot in the door. Yeah. In my mind, it's by any means necessary. Um, right. We, we've, we've talked about Vito a couple of times. Vito was part of the game plan. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> we were a restaurant. Back then, we had vending machines. They're real popular back then. Not so, not so much now. And I needed more money right in the beginning to start up. And normally, the way those work is you could have, you know, if, if there's, you know, a dollar put in, you know, 50% goes to 50 cents goes to the vending company, 50 cents goes to the, the location. And we worked out a deal. Hey, give me X number of dollars. You keep all of the all of the proceeds out of the vending machines until that's paid off. So I didn't include that in my pro forma ever, anyways, because we're so so me not seeing any of that vending money didn't impact my projections at all. If that makes sense. So so that was another way to get my and and when we were starting up, I mean, think about the different ways to open up that very first business. Yeah. Franchise fee was on a credit card. Collateral came from my parents' house. I got investors to put in money and not have complete equity. They had loans, and, and and they didn't really know me. They were just like, hey, I think it's a great idea. Maybe I was a good salesman to them. You know, then I had a vending company say, okay, I'll roll the dice. And then we had another vendor kind of did the same thing, and we put the deal together. So as we break for our last commercial, the question is, is it tenacity and grit, or are you just batshit crazy? <laughs> yeah, that was both. No question about it. <laughs> All right, we got to pay the bills, Fred tells me. And then I'm dying to get back. There's one point I want to talk about when we come back is if you're making deals with family and friends, how do you make sure that you're very careful and you don't burn those bridges and ruin really close, great relationships in the process? All right, Freddie, take us away. So I'll tell you. I've always believed an entrepreneur was somebody who was too stupid to quit. <laughs> because he'll dear God. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, I went, it's been, I'm on my 16th year there and, and I got to be stupid to keep doing it, but that's okay. It's all good. And yet I still I go down good. the road with Dave anytime. I, eh, and you, like I said, and yet I still start things and people come along and say, yeah, I want to be part of that. Isn't that interesting? So yep. uh, our first commercial. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And on the networking path, as Kristen uh, messaged, or mentioned earlier, Tuesday mornings at 7.30 a.m. Pacific, 9.30 um, a.m. Central is Caffeinated Connections. Go create a profile and 
find out what people are talking about while they drink coffee. Also, I do want to note, as every time you guys talk about Vito, um, <laughs> I flashed to our, I think it was our December 24th guest, Vito Maza of Kenham, yep. who goes and does collections. So we really do have a guy named Vito here. We've got a guy. And you know what? He's so nice. <laughs> but, but he will tell you, right, as Vito, the collector, the right thing to do is not wait. Because I said, well, I got somebody for you to talk to. And he said, well, the thing to do is not wait until you got somebody to talk to. The thing to do is start it out right from the beginning. And so that's just a tip for small business owners, people about to go into business, get your collector guy on, on the hook right away. So um, before we get back into the subject, I promised I would give a shout out to somebody who's been listening to us for several weeks in a row now. Dave, uh, I'm sorry, Dale out on Dewey Lake. Sorry, I said Dave because I'm mixing up Lake. You know, I didn't mean that, Dale. Um, I got my fishing hat on. I think some of these lures that Julian had on his hat were from Dewey Lake. So there's your shout out. And let's talk about family loans. Um, I bring this up because um, I borrow a lot of money from my dad. I feel very fortunate that I can do that. And the one thing um, that he makes me do every single time is we have to sign a contract. Mm -hmm. And he collects interest, just like a bank. Sure. And uh, I remember the first time he did that, and some of my friends and, and other family members were like, oh, my God, your dad collects interest, and you have to sign a contract? And at first, I thought, you know, that kind of sucks, you know? And then as I got older and you start working for your own money, you realize, oh, yeah, I mean, he worked really hard for his money, too. And it keeps things clean. And then you realize that it's just like, like you said, David, right? You take care of the people that you loan money from. And when they get that return, they feel good about lending you money because they're making at least what they would have made by having their money sit in the bank. That's right. And maybe a little bit more for the inconvenience, right? And so I would encourage anybody, whether you borrow from your parents, your grandparents, your friends, your aunts and uncles, make sure you put it in writing. Make sure you put a little kicker of whatever sort you want to in there for the people lending you money. And, and don't go back on your debt. Because, wow, that can really, really cause, cause some problems. Do you have any tips with that, David? I know you've gone, gone into lots of deals with friends and family. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. As, as you were saying it, um, none other than, than my parents' house for the collateral, we, we never borrowed money from, from a friend or a family. They turned into friends after, after you know, after we had that business relationship. They were acquaintances before that, more than I guess would be a better word. Um, and then and then as, as things evolved, then then we structured things differently when we knew they were a little bit more sure of returns and took care of our family members, those types of things. Um, but you know it's a funny story about that is is we were so we we got off, you know, started getting really successful. And so I was telling some of my college friends, hey, this is uh, this is pretty good business. So he jumps into it, same scenario, and I teach him how to go finance everything. I find him partners, I invest in it, and, and we got his business up and running, and mm -hmm. it immediately falls flat. Oh. And I went, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he quit his job, his wife quit his job, all these people, I got all these oh, people. Oh no. And it immediately falls flat, but goes back to what Kelly said, the grit, maybe whatever, they never quit and they just grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. 
And he didn't really see a profit per se for probably, I think it was six, seven years of his, of his existence. Oh, and he just stuck with it. He just stuck with it. All the investors stuck with it. None of us, you know, and, you know, we're in there all digging in, helping him, helping him, helping him. Well, that pays off. I mean, he, we just, he was our partner. He, as everybody knows, we just sold, he built that into a chain of seven, seven locations, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and he did real well for himself, but nice. the very first two months were devastating. We're like, what in the heck are we going to do? And then the first six months after that were ridiculous, but he stuck with it. And, you know, he was really upfront with a lot of the investors when things aren't going well, be upfront with them and say, look, here's, yeah. where at, here's my game plan. Yeah. And here's where I'm going with this. Hang in there with me. And luckily he is, his character is beyond reproach. I mean, he's a, as honest as day is long. And, and, and to this day, you know, he, he's everybody, everybody made out. I mean, we were just, we just saw each other over the weekend. And he was telling this story about a vendor when he built it, I think it was an electrician, he owed him $20,000. Well, this business didn't come out of the gate doing real well. He owed $20,000 and it was a local guy. And, and all, all, all he said to him was, I promise you, I will pay you no matter how long it takes. And eventually over time, and a great vendor stuck with them over time, got paid back. Once you build that reputation also, it's help, it helps. So, you know, that goes to speaks to the perseverance, but also speaks to you, you have to do whatever it takes to take care of the people who believed in you in the beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story, too. And, you know, I think it's interesting because I remember when we signed on with our business, Ray, you probably remember, too, right? Oh, within a year or two years, you'll be you'll you'll be at break even. OK, yeah, that didn't happen. Right. You have these these visions of grandeur, right? And that you're going to be at break even in no time and you'll be at a million dollars in two years. And, and you know, what? a lot of times that doesn't happen for multitudes of reasons. And um, I think that it's one of those things that um, you have to try to remain positive. You can't beat yourself up. Um, if you're in it with your spouse, you can't beat each other up because we kind of went through that. Well, what the hell is that? Or why, why aren't we where we're supposed to be? Oh, well, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. And there's a huge learning curve, even with a franchise that, um, you, you know, you're trying to figure out the system. You're trying to figure out employees. You're trying to figure out marketing. And as well-defined as a franchise is, there's still a lot going on. And that's not even the financial part, right? <laughs> so it, it can be really challenging. Yeah, I think sometimes people don't realize that because you, just because it's a franchise doesn't mean it runs itself. It doesn't mean you don't have to have some business acume and, and that you're not going to have to figure some things out as you go. And with the, the capitalization part of it, when you talk about the struggles, but yeah, it's it's not uncommon for it to take longer to get off the ground and become profitable than what you're told it's going to be, right? So yeah. part of that capitalization strategy, as much as possible, it's not always possible, but you want to overcapitalize yourself as much as you possibly can from day one, because the simple truth is as ridiculous as it sounds, there's never been a business that failed because it had access to too much working capital. Oh like my gosh. It can't happen, right? Like you'll just keep pouring money into the business as long as you can. And so you always want to try to start as strong as you can. I think that is a great 
great comment and closing statement to take you down the rabbit hole because we talk about that all the time, that no matter what the franchisor tells you to have, you need to have double that. Yeah. Because it, it's the projections are never right on. It's just well, the way. And then there's things like COVID. I mean, who saw it coming, right? The, the, a lot of businesses were, didn't have that much money stockpiled to get through a year of openings and closings and opening and closing. So Yeah, and we had the recession, right? Ray and I went through the recession together. And so it's just, you know, two now that it's like, holy cow, I don't know how we, how we keep getting this lucky. <laughs> All right. Well, I think um, I think Fred's got something interesting up his sleeve. I'm not quite sure what it looks like. It might be a rabbit. <laughs> so, what is it, Fred? Uh, uh, a couple of a uh, couple of comments. A, what you just described is um, too stupid to quit again. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I, I truly believe that. So now, because I forgot the other question. Um, we will go down the rabbit hole. Since we're talking finance, funding finance, what do you think the process and the requirements will be for being able to fund a franchise on another planet? Since as we know, the DOD continues to release more and more evidence of UFO um, visits and our developing technology there. So soon we'll have interstellar travel to other planets. So what do you think you're going to have to um, provide for the would-be um, otherworldly entrepreneur in type of process and funding requirements? I'd like to say that they're just going to be free. It's going to be... Uh you know, a kumbaya for everybody. You just show up, take the land, we give you a business, and it's all unicorns and rainbows. Yeah, the government <laughs> never does something like that, especially going to another planet. So, well, after that, Ray, if you're going to fund a, what do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be, uh, they're going to simply ask, or we want a trip to paradise on Earth. Earth is paradise, you know? Yeah, but that see, you're you going the wrong way. The and they say, hey, we'll give you all the funds you need to start your business. Just <laughs> let us come to Earth. See, I'm, I'm not talking about them coming to Earth. I'm talking for the Earth-bound entrepreneur who wants to fund a business on another planet. Oh, okay. So what are the uh, – uh, so what What's are they going to – yeah, what's Ray's rules for interplanetary or interstellar business development? I because want the planet. That's not the solar system. I want the whole planet. <laughs> for collateral. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> because what you were talking about there was Ray's rules. Two, two and a half times what they tell you is what you got to have. That's right. That's so right. mine is an interplanetary Ray's rules um, question of what's the funding requirements? Kristen? I think they require you to have um, land ownership there. Mm. And I, I think it will probably about be about eh, 50 times more expensive as it is here. I think taxes will be out of this world. <laughs> So when you say 50 times as it is here, are you talking in Illinois or are you talking in California? 
Well, they're essentially really about the same. The cost of housing is pretty close. Um, the difference, I mean, if you if you if you were to package housing costs and taxes together, you'd probably net out about the same, because where Illinois may fall a little bit shy on cost of the house, we make up in taxes. California may have a higher oh price, but they're a little lower in the tax. What about labor rate? Ooh, well, Illinois is pretty darn close to California right now. We're both going to be at 15 before you know it. So you'll be buying the the uh, Molly made franchise in San Luis Obispo? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great way to get me back out there. But I will tell you, the labor laws and the work comp laws in California are a little more than what my stomach could handle right now. Yeah. So overtime laws are a little different. So, so what you're saying is, 50 times that you ain't going to become an inter interplanetary or an interstellar <laughs> entrepreneur, are you? You know, the thing is, I so here's what I like about the idea of going to another planet. I have always had this vision of like going super fast, where you know your skin and everything gets sucked back really far, and that like immense mock whatever the hell it is speed like just I would love that but yeah, right I think it'd be amazing um but that's really about it I don't know about the whole like not having any gravity and I don't know about that part Go I did that scuba diving once and you just get like all it was, it was cool it was fun but I don't know if I could do that for very long go skydiving and now for our expert on financing, David. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to join Kelly and say <laughs> they're going to they're gonna land up there with land and welcome everybody with open arms, and there's not going to be any governmental regulations, and they're just mm -hmm. going to set you up with business and help you every step of the way. And that's, that's the new frontier. It's the, it's the gold rush for Don. Yeah. Whatever planet we're going to. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sucking gold rush. All right. So we're back to your normal configuration, which means it's time for Ray's question. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So we have a lot of people who are interested in getting into business. Can they contact you, Kelly? Absolutely. Absolutely. I um I don't have my phone number memorized, but I can give it to you. It's uh <laughs> my direct line is two six seven three two eight one two nine six. Again, that's two six seven three two eight one two nine six. That's my direct line at Benetrends, or you can email me at Kelly at Benetrends.com. Um myself or any any one of the awesome very experienced consultants that we have on staff here at Benetrends, anybody would be happy to assist. So if, if it's nothing else, you just go to our website, Benetrends.com, and reach out to us that way. There's no shortage of, of help and resources here. So if they, if they don't pay back their loan, do they end up on the wall like your friends behind you? Yes, let's have the warning. That our veto comes, right? That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Such a pleasure to have you and meet you, Kelly. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. It great was, stuff, Kelly. It was a great time, too. So anytime, anytime. Wow. Excellent. Vito and, and, and people's heads on the wall. Yeah. Well, family <laughs> members would say this really does befit my personality. So we'll be back next week with who's, who, Kristen? Who's our guest next week? We're going to be next week with Steve Gard. With the, uh, he's a franchise owner with Network in Action International. All right. Thanks, everyone, for being here. We'll have another weird show next week. And this is Thank you.